Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Here in your bedroom, Goldfinger on the world famous K-Rock, it's Kevin Kenny. We've got the man himself, John Feldman. Yes, yes, yes. Live in thanks studio. Thanks for having me. Dude, thanks for coming all the way down here. Good to see you, Kevin. Yeah, this is... Yeah, all the way from Calabasas, or is my... Um... <laughs> My friend from Beartooth first came to visit Caleb. He's like, it's such a lovely city you live in, Calabasas. Calabasas. So all the way from Calabasas, I made it. You made it in. Yeah. Now, we just played, of course, here in your bedroom, a classic Goldfinger song, and we're here at K-Rock. You have such a lineage and a history with the station here. What are your memories, your your first memories ever of hearing that on K-Rock? Oh, man. I mean, it's like... That's probably the second album I ever bought was Rodney on the Rock Volume One, which had every punk band. I mean, Circle Jerks and Black Flag and every great, you know, Southern California punk band. And so K Rock for me is such like it's so much history in my blood. And so, I mean, this, as the story goes, we played South by Southwest in front of 30 kids. They, and they just, that was it, 30 kids, but they were just going ballistic. And there was two guys there, one guy that was booking the Sex Pistols tour. So we got the Sex Pistols tour because of that one show. And Kevin Weatherly was there. And he added us like 38 times a week. He started playing us. And I was still selling shoes. Yeah. Like I got my record deal because I was selling shoes on the promenade at Nana, right? And I slipped my demo tape in a pair of nine and a half Oxblood Doc Martens. And I got my, that's how I got signed to Mojo Records. And it's like, I'm still working at the shoe store and I hear my song here in your bedroom on the radio 38 times. I mean, I couldn't not hear it. What does that feel like though when you're working at a shoe store and then you got it on over the PA system and it's your song? Dude, it was the best feeling ever. <laughs> I was in my, I had this $100 Dodge Colt I bought from my grandma's best friend. It had this like fuzzy steering wheel around it that I ripped off. So it was all the glue and it would be like 100 degrees in the valley in summer and I would just, my hands would stick to it and it would just be like <laughs> sticky and, and that just just turn on K-Rock and you hear it in my little terrible, you know, sound system. But I was just, I mean, I remember I pulled over yeah. and just going crazy, singing along. It was the best. That's the best. That's incredible. I was, so Muggs here, the producer is upstairs that helped you in today. He uh, printed out a bunch of like John Feldman facts. And there's so many things that I thought I was a John Feldman student. But uh, is this true that uh, Tommy Lee co-produced your debut album? Tommy Lee produced the Electric Love Hogs, which was my band before this. So how does that happen? How do you meet Tommy Lee? Tommy just was a fan of the band and he's like, you have to let me produce. And he was the greatest. And I learned so, cause I'm a producer now. Yeah. I learned so much. The guy would just be in the studio. So just jacked on life. I mean, he was the greatest and he would just sit there and he'd light his farts on fire. <laughs> and I would, we would just laugh hysterically till four in the morning making music. It, it just, what it did for me 
is it allowed me to have fun in the studio when I was I was so nervous making yeah. that album, my first album ever, you know, on two on two inch reel to reel. It was like, and this guy just made it so. And we went hung out with Heather Locke there at his house in Westlake Village, and it was oh, just crazy. like I felt like, what is going on? Yeah, it was what like a is universe? I was just at a shoe store. Yeah. Um. Well, so did you just meet him out one night in L.A. or do you remember first meeting? I remember Tommy? we showcased for him at um some. Uh, some uh, old nightclub that doesn't exist anymore, yeah. like Coconut Teasers, just him in the audience, us playing to him. And it was like... Talk about nerves. Yeah, it was it was crazy, but it, we, we killed it and he loved us. That's crazy. We got a lot more with John Feldman. We're going to play some of the tracks that he has worked on, he has played over the course of the next hour. We are live on K-Rock. It's the world-famous K-Rock. Kevin Kenny, we are live with John Feldman. Yes, hello. Maslin and Hi. Wilshire. So if you uh, drive by, give us the finger and we'll wave back. <laughs> um, we're about to get into a Blink-182 song. It's Mark Hoppus's 50th birthday huge milestone yeah, happy birthday, happy to birthday mark. mark congratulations now when do you first meet blink you did california you produced that record with them but you guys must go back like how many years um so travis was in the aquabats when i first met travis and then scott was still in the band blink opened for goldfinger on a snowcore tour it oh, was wow. real big fish blink 182 and goldfinger what's like, snow what? snowcore was like a snowboarding tour like we just hit all these like mountain resorts oh that's awesome it was like uh, Kevin Lyman put it on from Warp Tour. It was okay. amazing. Just amazing. We were just snowboard all day and then play shows at night, you know, in front of like, you know, two, 3,000 kids. And Blink was the opening act. And Tom and Mark were so nice to us. They were just the sweetest guys. So I met them then. And then when the Aquabats came on tour, like Travis would ride on our bus to our, you know, our drummer, we get so bummed because our drummer at the time just knew Travis was king. I mean, he's the goat of, you know. So even then, when he's in the Aquabats and he's so young and he's so new to the scene, you can already recognize, like, this guy's another level. Dude, he would set up, like, on the floor when we would be doing sound check. He would just set up and be doing these rudiments that I'm like, how is this kid able to do this? Like, just the greatest of all time, this kid. So he'd ride on a bus. We'd talk about girls and the descendants and just everything. And we became super tight back then and then we kind of you know got in and out of each other's lives and then he hit me up on twitter you know and just says hey man what are you doing meet me at crossroads my restaurant and i just went showed up and then it was it was skiba hoppus and travis just sitting there in a booth and we just talked and went and listened to a bunch of songs we wrote bored to death that day wow which was the first song on on that album that we just like we just wrote it that day and we're like let's go let's just keep going mugs let's play bored to death we have we, do we have that in the in the K Rock catalog, yeah, yeah. Let's get into that next. But so so you got to tell this story because the first day, I mean, oh yeah, we yeah. were just talking on K Rock five minutes ago about how Tommy Lee co-produced your first album and how he you know really like let you open up and let you feel free in the studio. And you took a little bit of a different route in terms of uh, some levity with California. What did oh, you do yeah, the yeah. first day? I think it was day three. I think okay. I think I needed I needed a second just to. Get, I mean, I'd only met Matt Skiba once, and so like, but it was like day three. I just showed up naked in the studio, <laughs> and Hoppus was just so like. I don't know. He he was just very you know mature. He's like whatever. And and, and Skiba was just cracking. I mean, Skiba and Travis were just like, what's going on? It was, it was epic. Setting just the an epic day because I'm hung like a mosquito. <laughs> So keep that in mind. That visual that Feldman just uh, shared with us on Carrick. As you listen to this, it's bored to death. Blink One Eighty Two. We've been talking about you know some of these before and after moments in your life, hearing your song on K-Rock for the first time and meeting Blink for the first time. I got to ask you about the Tony Hawk moment. And it's very well documented in the, is it Searching for Superman? Is that the name uh, of the documentary? 
I think it's searching for Superman. It's on it's on uh, Amazon. You probably get it everywhere now, but I think it initially was on Amazon. It's such a great documentary if you grew up playing the video game and of course are familiar with, you know, Superman the song that kicks yeah, it all yeah, off. Yeah. But was what was that moment like for you before and after? That moment was like I was on tour with the Bloodhound Gang in England, in Leeds, like the first show was in Leeds. And we're just playing our set. I'm played here in your bedroom, and people were not going off. I'm like, well, I guess radio's different in the UK. And we get halfway through, we get to Superman. And we played Superman the entire place. Just, I mean, it was like probably 1,500 people in, in this circle pit. And I'm like, why is this happening to Superman? And then that night, I called the label and I said, what's going on? They said, dude, Tony Hawk, you know, Pro Skater One just came out and it's in it. And that's like, I mean, he did as much for me as Kevin Weatherly did, Tony Hawk, just yeah. by putting that song in that first kind of like room that you go yep. into. It's like I'm, I'm I'm in my suit, like doing my little skanky dance or whatever yeah. it was, and it just changed everything. That song is now our it's, it's our biggest song. Like whenever we play live, it's like the last song. We can't really go afterwards, you know. It's crazy. How are you as a Tony Pro uh, Tony Hawk Pro? Skater I'm terrible. Player? Yeah, I'm terrible. <laughs> Can you hit the 900? Yeah, the the um our old drummer Darren was like, I mean, every day he's he shredded that game. Yeah. But I was always writing music. I'm like, I'm just going to keep writing on the road. That's all I did is just write music, you know? And I met the used because that's what I was doing. I was on tour and I met the used in Salt Lake City. Bert came on so drunk. He threw a cassette of his band on into the lounge, and our tour manager picked him up because he's he weighs like eighty pounds, you know, and just threw him out the front door. And it's like the next day I listened to it, and I'm like, dude, this is the greatest voice I've ever heard. He sounded like Michael Jackson meets I don't know, like the refused or something. It was just incredible that voice. And I met Story of the Year because of that, you know. And Story of the Year, they gave me this VHS tape of like spraying. This guy was passed out with his shirt off, and he had hairy back and they sprayed his entire back with aquanet his hairspray and they coated it and then they lit it on fire and that's how they woke him up and they have it all on video and i watched this videotape i'm like dude i have to find i have to find this band and sign them immediately so did you see the video before you heard the music or you i saw the, the video before i heard the music oh wow which is interesting because this day and age it's like a lot of times Video content is what turns, like, you know, my daughter's 13, Mila, she's like, and she'll introduce, she's introduced me to, you know, um, you know, all these bands like Beach Bunny and yeah. Surf Curse and yep. all these like cool indie bands. And it's like, so she's finding out a lot about these, even the neighborhoods, yeah. finding out about these bands through content rather than music first, which is weird. Yeah. But it's, you know, some bands really, uh, they, they took that sort of like jackass era, like by the horns, like some 41 famously got signed. They worked that same exact demo, right? That eventually had a bidding war and they worked it just off the music and no one wanted anything to do with them. And then they did like a jackass style prank video and every label from New York City like you know flew up to see him in Canada so yeah. it was uh, quite the era we're gonna play Until the Day I Die what do you remember about this song? Um, and this is the first song they played me and I'm like dude we have to record this immediately and I was working for Maverick Records Guy Osiri gave me my first shot as an A&R guy you know he really took me under his wing and 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 we signed Story of the Year together and it was like they, they did a showcase at the Viper Room and it was like the f- the five of us from the label you know it was Guy Osiri and a, you know, a bunch of other record execs and they were just doing I don't know if you've ever seen Story of the Year but they do backflips and they're oh, crazy. swinging their guitars around they came in the in the audience and they were like but even like with the U's with their, sh- with their showcases Bert would like literally throw up at the showcase and it was like you couldn't there were so many executives like where, where, how can we sign this band how can we sign them you know from just that kind of devotion to the yeah. live show 
So I'm curious because we're going to hear the, the the John Feldman produced version of T- Until the Day I Die. They play you the demo when you first hear it. So what do you do to the record? We just we just basically grew it and made it big. They have the song pretty much written. The guitar line was written. I rearranged it. I mean, I probably rearranged maybe fifteen percent of it. Okay, and then we just like produced it out. We added the big guitars, you know, the drums. This little room in my Marina del Rey house. It was just this tiny room, and it's like we just made this great record that just like translated. I still, whenever I play emo night, I play the song, and everyone's just oh, like, dude, it's one of those songs. All right. Now we get to listen to John's hard work. This is Until the Day I Die on K-Rock. You are listening to the John Feldman Power Hour. Yes. We're just re-running Let's through the hits going. right now. John it. Feldman live in studio here. We just played that song uh, from Story of the Year, which John produced that record. And then I want to play a song off of uh, the used... Um, was it their second, second. album? Second album. Yeah. Now you so you meet the used, uh, the, the used, excuse me, early on, and you do their first record, and it just it's like huge. The yes. Taste of Ink and all those records. So then when they decide, okay, we want to work with you again on the sophomore album. Yeah. As a producer, like, what's your mindset? Do you go, okay, I'm just going to listen to this band, whatever they want to do, or do you have ideas of like where you want to take the band? How does that work? That marriage. I mean, it's interesting because we went to England and we did all the string section in Olympic Studios, like where the Who recorded Who's Next and all these epic, like, just amazing. We because the budget's all, probably like huge now, right? Yeah, it's a lot bigger than it all, was. All this stuff we have, like anything we wanted, but I didn't want to make it like I didn't want to turn it into Sgt. Pepper's or like this Beatles album. I still wanted to keep the, you know, the essence of the band. And um, you know, all that I got was something that we did. I don't, I don't know, maybe third or fourth song. And and Bert is like such a fan of the ballad. You know, he's yeah. like he's got this heavy side to him where he's just the first album. He used to have a bucket, you know, because he'd throw up. He'd like scream, like maybe memory. He would just scream and it would just like, he'd throw up. And I'm like, dude, how are you going to keep singing? Then he'd sing like, again, like Michael Jackson. He just had this voice. And you know, all that I got, we, you know, um, I don't know, we, we just, we really spent about a week on that one song alone, like getting guitar sounds. And that was the thing about back then is like, you'd have these big record budgets and you could spend, I think we spent four months, five months on that album. And it was just amazing. We did a songwriting trip up to San Simeon and just recorded sound effects and overdramatics on the beach with an SM7 on my laptop top which back then people were making music on your laptop and yeah. it was it was amazing it was so fun now all that i've got I, I believe the lead single back in the day off the second album was that the song that you guys felt the strongest about or was the success of this song we're about to play a surprise i mean take Take It Away was the song that I thought was going to have legs but i mean it ended up being all that i got and the video is amazing and video it was like so good. cuz you know bert I mean, pretty much discovered My Chemical Romance and him and Gerard were best friends back then. And he, Bert, got My Chemical Romance signed to Warner Brothers and Craig Aronson, God rest his soul, like he he begged me to produce the first My Chemical Romance record. And I felt... I just felt like I had, you know, um, I had the use and that they, they were my band. And I had, to, I, I felt like it would have split. It would have kind of tarnished my relationship with the band. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Is that a, now you've done so much in the world of music and your experience is so diverse, but you're still human. You must have regrets. Is that a regret of yours? Not working on that MCR record? Um, I mean, we did, um, what's the do, 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 do. What's that song? Um, the, the bit. Yeah, under pressure. Yeah, we did under pressure together, which which I had. You know, I got to work with my Chemical Romance for that, which was amazing. Right. But I mean, I don't know. Everything happens for a reason. I mean, there was a moment in my life where a manager of mine said, "Dude, it's like every everything's about Avicii and Steve Aoki. So you got to figure out how to become a DJ, right? DJ Felchman or whatever." <laughs> and I'm just like. 
No. And I just, you know, I, you know, you, you kind of like figure it out as you go. And yeah. I, I do believe everything happens for a reason. I'm, and I'm tight with all the guys in my cam, but it wasn't meant to be. They made the record they were supposed to make. Yeah, totally. And so did the use. This is all that I've got live on K-Rock. It's Kevin Kenny live on the world famous K-Rock with John Feldman live in studio. Hello. And he's been very gracious with his time. He's almost been here an hour hanging out. Uh, now, I think, did we finally find a band that you have not crossed paths with? Jimmy Eat World? I've not worked with Jimmy Eat World, even though I love Jimmy Eat World. We, the we, one we, band. Yeah, we hung out, I think, at Pucal Pop at, at this festival in, the, in, in Europe like uh, two or three years ago. And But I'm, I'm friends with Jim. I'm yeah. with friends, but I haven't worked with him. Love them. We got to get them on the list. I mean, I'm looking at this list right now. All Time Low, Five Seconds of Summer, Good Charlotte, Panic the Disco, Beartooth, Biffy Clyro. Yes, the uh, best. Huge, huge in the UK. Yes. Corn uh, 311, Black Veil Brides, Avril Lavigne, Ashley Simpson. Which, what did you work with Ashley on? I worked on two songs on an autobiography. On really? the first album, yeah. Were they singles? Um, were they like no, album cuts? No, they were not singles. But like, you know, be able to work with like, you know, Corn and Beartooth and oh, Hilary insane. Duff and Ashley Simpson. Dude, the it's range pretty, is pretty, like... It's pretty cool. I was thinking too, like when we were talking about that that thing earlier, like when everything was going, kind of going, I'm like, what am, what am I going to do when Rock was dead and yeah. all that stuff, you know? And Five Seconds of Summer came along. I remember like one day just sitting in the studio when I first met those kids, they were 16 and 17 years old when I first started working with them. And, you know, I don't, I don't drink. I'm, you know, um, straight edge. And they were like, you know, when you used to drink, what happened? I'm like, did you ever get arrested? I'm like, uh, yeah. Did you ever get kicked out of school? I'm like, yeah. Did you ever get a drunk driving? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, did you ever hook up with a dude? <laughs> I'm like, we got to get back to work right <laughs> we gotta now. we got to get back to work. <laughs> well, wait, you told me when I visited the studio a couple weeks ago, you told me some crazy story about the cops got called. Oh, yeah, that's right. So when we Try were to tell in, this like the radio safe version. Well, yeah, yeah. When I was living in Woodland Hills, um, we had a neighbor that just hated us because I had a studio outdoors and it was like, we don't, you know, when I was working five seconds of summer, there'd be 200 girls outside my house when they would be there. They'd follow them from the hotel. I mean, they had this rampant fan base. And so my neighbor one day called the cops and said, John Feldman is filming underage porn at his house <laughs> because all these girls are waiting to quote audition for his movies he's making. So the cops showed up and right when they showed up, the drummer Ashton came out of the studio dripping sweat with his shirt off and the cops were like, what's that guy doing? What is he doing in there? I'm like, dude, he's the drummer of this band, man. There's no, Optically, yeah. yeah, it not was not great. a good Good luck. Um, you just told me an amazing story about working with Good Charlotte, and I bring it up because we're about to play this new one from Mod that we world premiered exclusively on K-Rock last week. I mean, it wasn't even out yet, and he was nice enough to bring it by for his birthday. Rich Kids Ruin Everything. And there's so much Good Charlotte DNA in this song. And you just told me an amazing story because Good Charlotte, maybe their biggest song, maybe you know, top two, three biggest songs, is the anthem. And if you grew up at a certain age and you're around my age, you know, that was like in Madden football that year. It was a huge video game song. And uh, you were just telling me that they were like kind of a little cold to laying that down back in the day. Yeah, I mean, the the initial, I mean, Benji was always like, he, he was really fired up about the riff that he had. He had written that guitar riff and stuff. And and Joel came in and he just, you know, the, the initial kind of vibe was like, I don't know if this is going to work for Good Charlotte. We're a pop punk band. Yeah. And this sounds like it's got all this hip hop influence with all the 808s and all that stuff. And he just wasn't sure about it. And it's just like, it just goes to show us, even like with, with you know, the stories you hear about Blur with song number two, like he's right. like this 
this, I'll never release this song. And it's like, you, you know, sometimes you don't know what, how an audience is going to react to something when you think you know it's best. But I mean, I was so grateful to be part of the, those sessions. I met those, those, those kids when they first moved out here from Baltimore and it was just like, you know, I took them surfing and they were just, it was, it was so great. The first time on a surfboard in Malibu, just like, what are we doing? <laughs> Shark. We're lost at sea. Um, well, let's talk really briefly about this mod song. I mean, we love it here at K-Rock and the listeners have responded, you know, in droves. It's a great song. We've played it a bunch this week. Uh, Rich Kids Ruin Everything. What can you say about your role in this song? Um, so I had written this, uh, I mean, he was talking about all these, you know, taking back Sunday and the starting line and just kind of like making like a kind of a classic emo pop punk song. And so I had written this track and, you know, he came in, he's just like, this is exactly it. And he had the concept of Rich Kids Ruin Everything. He's just like, and he told me the whole story, Rich Kids Run Everything and he crossed out the word and all that stuff, you know, and he had this vision and Maud's like a visionary. I mean, the guy's like, just, he knows what he wants and he will not stop until he gets it. I mean, he's such a legend and we're like brothers now. And, uh, you know, he just went in there and he just, you know, kind of wrote the whole, like all the melody, the whole thing, just kind of, he, he does stuff freestyle. He like channels the universe. Yeah. It's very bizarre to watch because I'm just sitting in there, takes his shirt off and then just, I just loop a verse and he'll just sing these melodies and lyrics and it'll just come. And all of a sudden I'll be like, that's the one that's the one and then we'll like look back track three and be then he'll just write it down and that's the song and that's how he writes that's the song and that's how it came out the john feldman produced rich kids ruin everything on k-rock right now for mod son well thanks so much for stopping by man and of course uh you are the like, the big noise boss over there yeah the architect of the alternative sound as i like to deem you thank you and uh, you got a lot of great acts of course with girlfriends and mod and tyler posey and <clears throat> the rex the, the rex. Used goldfinger yeah it's awesome it's Thank good you. stuff. We Felt just signed it. this kid, Box Boy. He's amazing. You'll love him. Box Boy? Is yeah. it just B-O-X Boy? Yeah, that's it. Oh, we got to check it out. Epic. All right. John Feldman, turn us on to new music. Thanks so much, dude. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.